welcome to the NC Students Podcast. NC Students is the middle school and high school ministry of Northland Cathedral in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information on NC Students and Northland Cathedral, please visit www.northlandcathedral.org. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's message. She um, looked at the situations, the filters that she looked through them. She wasn't exactly seeing the truth of the situation. Um, and, and I kind of found myself wondering, how would I have handled this? So, like, the first thing that she, that I learned or that I was reminded of, my grandmother, um, she was raised on a cotton farm during the Great Depression era, um, which means she didn't have a lot of anything. And um, they were sharecroppers. And so she spent her growing up years, she would go to school um, in the afternoons when it was hot, but during the mornings she would go and she would pick cotton. And um, so it was, she, I remember her telling me about that when, when um, I was little, but we were reminded just how much, has anyone ever met anyone who was raised in, a, in the Great Depression era? Maybe your great-grandparents or just someone. Do you know much about people from that era who like to squirrel away things? Because you never know when the stock market's going to crash again and the banks will have no more money. And so you have to make sure that you have stuff. My grandmother had a um, full-sized deep freeze in the garage, as well as a full refrigerator and her refrigerator in the house. Um, And they were all packed full. All of her cabinets, all of her... She had two giant pantries on either side of her kitchen, and they were filled with food. Um, her, all of her cabinets, there was a pantry outside in the garage, totally packed with food. And if you had asked my grandmother on Thursday what she was going to do this weekend, she would have said, oh, I have to go to the store. I have nothing to eat. I'm going to starve if I don't go to the store. It was insane, the amount of food. And sadly, a lot of it was expired because she was just holding on to it because it was, you know, something could happen and we all need food. Um, She did the same thing with pantyhose. My grandma has not put on pantyhose in years because she doesn't do it because she would just sit at home. And um, yeah, I found drawers and drawers. At one point, I sent Jerome a text and said, oh my gosh, I just opened a drawer filled with packages, sealed packages of pantyhose. And he said, maybe she's not a hoarder. Maybe she's a bank robber. You have to think positively. Like the positive would be that my grandma was a bank robber, not a hoarder. I didn't, I didn't follow that. But So we found lots of things. I found about 20 to 30 pairs of slippers, um, stamps, used and unused. I have a stack, not joking, a stack of stamps. Not just the stacks of singular stamps like sheets. Pages of stamps just in case because if the economy tanks, how else are you going to send your mail? You have to have stamps, people. And um, I loved my grandma. She was fantastic. Um, So that, um, when she was really young, being raised in an era where nobody had anything, shaped her view of life where maybe God didn't really care that much about those little things like, you know, food or the bank account. And she would tell you God cares, but her actions kind of, and her closets told a completely different story. And the second thing that shaped my grandma, when she was 11, her mom got really sick and she was sent to stay with her aunt who lived just a couple doors down. My grandma showed up one day, she was playing in the yard and she came and her mother was laying on a table and was being dressed and being made ready for the wake. She was never told that her mother died because 
back in that day, you didn't tell children these kinds of things because they didn't want to upset them. They didn't think they would understand. Her view of what happened was, I must not have been good enough, or maybe they just didn't love me enough to tell me that this happened. So from a very young age, my grandmother had the thought cemented in her brain that she was unloved, that she wasn't good enough, and that she was alone. These battles were things I saw my grandmother, these, these lies were things I saw my grandmother battle her entire life. And she would tell you, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me and he is my provider and he's my everything. But I'm still going to go shopping again because my cabinets aren't full enough and I don't have any friends. When my grandfather passed away two months ago, she was terrified because she said, I'm all alone. I've got nobody left. And we said, Grandma. My, grandpa, my great-grandfather had married again. They had children, so she was raised with five siblings. She got married to a saint of a man. I loved my grandfather. And they had two children, and they ended up having four grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren. But in her mind, she had listened to the lie that she was all alone. And there were times when she was really, you know, when she was doing really good, and she, she was like, okay, I can do this. But then in her low points, it would be like, man, I'm all alone. Because when she was little, she listened to the lies in her head that were saying, they must not love you enough. And so those were thoughts that went in her head. And I started thinking, man, what lies do I listen to? Like, what kind of things do I think about and do I let get in? Because clearly she wasn't all alone. Clearly God was providing for her. But she had these things that she couldn't filter out and... And so I started wondering about that, and I knew that I would be coming up today and preaching, and today we're working on um, the belt of truth, because we're going through the armor of God in this series, and we're talking about putting on the armor of God, and I realized that all of us have things in our life that when events happen, we, whether it's a big event or a little event, or whether it's just getting up in the morning and looking at myself in the mirror and questioning... I wonder if I really have any friends at all. Or maybe you're thinking, I wonder if I'm the person who caused my parents' divorce. Or I wonder if I'm the reason or if this happened because of this. And we've got all these lies because we have an enemy. That's the whole reason we're doing this battle series because we have an enemy. And it's difficult for us to want to think about that. But as a Christian, we have an enemy and that enemy doesn't want us to believe the truth of who we are in Christ. So, so we listen to these lies and we hear these things and we're like, Oh, that must be it. So we're going to, um, look at, at some ways that we can, if I can turn my page, um, how to not fall prey to the lies of the enemy. And um, so if we go to Ephesians chapter 6, let's read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So before we read that, Paul is writing this book to the church in Ephesus. The first half of this book is all doctrine. It's all, here's what we believe and why we believe it. The second half of the book is application. So when he starts talking about the armor of God and why you should put it on, this isn't anything new. This isn't new information where they're going, oh, we have truth. He's already spent time in the book saying, here's what the truth of God is. So now here's how we apply it. So in chapter 6, verse 10, he says a final word. It's a final word because it's the end of the letter. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So we're going to stop there tonight and talk about what this belt of truth is. Because the belt of truth, there's a reason he lists it first. Paul was really well acquainted with Roman body armor because he was well acquainted with being in jail. (laughs) And because of who he was, he was a Christian, he got arrested a lot. And there were times when he was chained to a soldier to make sure that he wouldn't run away. And not that he was a flight risk, he was staying there, but they didn't know that. So they would chain him to the Roman soldier. And so he is well acquainted with what they're wearing. Now, if you Google Roman body armor, you're going to get these pictures of these tiny little adorable little belts with a little fringe in the front. And that's great for a costume. But a soldier, what he was actually wearing, they were thick and it covered the entire abdomen because that's it. There's no purpose in a little one inch adorable fashion belt. Because if you get slashed across the stomach with a sword, This ain't doing nothing. But that belt was bound around them, and it had plate, metal plates across it. So it was full-on armor, and it had places to, it had a place for the sword, it had a place for the dagger, it was carrying things. But it was also a place where the breastplate, the body armor that came over the top, it would be attached, so it would be a form of support. So this truth, or this belt that he starts with, he's saying the very first thing that you should do is wrap yourself in truth. Put on God's armor and wrap yourself in truth. The truth of who God is. The truth of who you are in Christ. He said, put on that belt of truth and then the breastplate of righteousness, the whole body armor of righteousness. If you put that righteousness on without knowing who you are in Christ and you're trying to be righteous on your own, that's a pretty heavy weight. But when it's got the support right there of who you are and who God is, it's supported in truth. So it is supporting that. And you're not having to try and be righteous all on your own. You're not trying to be good and proper all on your own. You have it all secure. If you're wearing that belt of truth, then the attacks from the enemy, the lies from the enemy, you are protected. The other thing that it did was it strengthened your core. I know you guys hear this a lot. If you do... Does anybody in here do weight training, anything like that? How many times? I'm sure you've heard it a bazillion times. You must strengthen your core. Your core must be strong. Your core must be protected because if you aren't protecting your core, if you aren't working your core and making sure that your core is solid, you're going to have problems later in life, right? You're going to have problems when you go to lift something and you're not properly supported. This belt would support and make it firm so that hours and hours of marching, they're in the proper posture. They can't, they're not marching like this. You can't do that when you've got that big leather metal belt that's holding you up. If you have bound yourself in the truth, you're not walking around slouching because it's supporting you for all of the stuff that you have to go through in life, all of the steps that you have to take, all of the times when maybe there's not enough in the house and you have to rely on God and trust on God, or maybe 
tragedy happens in your family and you have to rely on God, that, that's holding you up. So there was a point, there's a whole reason why, I'll move this, why Paul is having, is describing to them everything within the armor of God. So his point and our point is knowing truth allows us to stand our ground against the lies of the enemy. Because the enemy, and it's not always that our enemy will come to us in, you know, the red costume with the tail and the little pointy horns and a pitchfork and go, I'm Satan, what's up? I'm here to take over your life. That's not how Satan comes at us. The Bible says he comes disguised as an angel of light. So he'll come to you and bring you something that's almost right. Or he'll kind of filter the way that you're seeing things. Like with my grandma, when she came and she saw her mom dead, her viewpoint wasn't, they were trying to save me from getting in the way or having extra heartbreak. They didn't think I would understand. Her viewpoint got skewed. And the enemy said to her, they must not love you. You're all alone now. Poor you. And she heard that and she carried that with her her whole life. And there would be days when she would be surrounded by people and I would see her face and it would, she would feel so alone because she heard that and she listened to that lie. And she cemented that. That was cemented in her viewpoint of who she was. Because at that age... When she was 11, she didn't know Jesus. She didn't know the truth. She didn't know who she was. So she didn't have that deflecting those lies. She didn't have anything to push that away. But when we bind ourselves with that, it can help support us. So what can we do? What can you do? How do you bind yourself with truth? How do you put on that armor? You know truth. Ta-da! I know that sounds really simplistic. You strengthen your core. You read the Bible. You do something that we actually have little kids do. Um, how many of you guys have ever been in a little kid Sunday school class? Anyone? Cool. Did you guys ever have like a chart with stars or stickers or something? And if you memorize these verses, then you get a star on the wall. I love gold stars. They're super pretty. So I made sure that I memorized all of those because I want to see all those pretty little stars by my name. Because when I was a kid, I didn't understand why I was memorizing Bible verses. Or we would learn little songs. I, like I said earlier, I'm a music person. So if I have to memorize something, I have to memorize it to music. It worked really great until I was taking exams in college, sitting there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> not realizing that I'm humming the answers as it's really a great idea and a bad idea all at the same time if you can't keep your mouth shut. But I ended up memorizing stuff. A lot of scriptures I memorized to music because I know I'll remember them. But we, we don't see anything weird when a little kid is walking around trying to memorize a Bible verse. But for some reason, the older we get, we're like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. I'm good. But I don't remember all of the things I rem- Do you guys remember all the things you memorized when you were a little kid to get those stars? Yeah, I don't either. But you know what would be really smart? And what I've started doing and what Jerome has started doing is going back and memorizing verses, passages from the Bible to make sure that I've got it, not just here, but that it's in here. Because if you do something called biblical meditation, um, when I was in middle school and high school, 
Um, everyone was like, oh, you should never do meditation. Meditating is terrible. It is of Satan. There's this wonderful thing called a dictionary. I looked up meditation. It means to sit and think and ponder about something. I was like, oh, well, that's not bad. If you're doing it new agey, I totally understand why it's bad. All of that, not okayness. But if you take this lovely book, and we believe that the Bible is God's holy word and that it's living and active, right? We believe, or at least we say, that we believe that this is life-changing. So if we take this, and you just take just this passage to sit and ponder it, reread it, put yourself in it, imagine yourself in this, reading over it, getting it in here and getting it in here, meditating on it, becoming one with the passage. That is binding the truth around you. Because if I have that in me, when I leave this place and I walk out those doors and there's somebody who comes up to me and who is all, nah, 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 I can go, I can either, I have a choice. I can either listen to them and listen to the lies or I can say, you know what the truth is that I am fully pleasing and acceptable to God because of the work of Christ on the cross. I am accepted and I am loved. I am good. Cool. Because I've got his word at the very core, at the very base of everything. So as we do, as we talk the next few weeks about the armor of God, we start with knowing truth because once you know truth, then it's easier to put on the rest of the armor of God. And so knowing the truth means maybe you get into a Bible study with your friends. Maybe you get in a group that's doing a U version Bible study on the app because those are really fun and they're challenging because you know that other people are making sure that you're doing your devotions. And I'm doing one with a couple of people in here. And I know that if I don't get on there and I don't do it, um, Krista's going to get on to me and she'll be like, Hey, did you read this today? Because it was really awesome. I'm like, no, not yet. I missed my time this morning. Or I'll be like, Oh, and it's something that she and I can talk about. Talk about the scriptures. If you talk about truth with your friends and have that be something that you guys have in common, you'll talk about it more and you'll grow in your understanding and you'll grow in a relationship where you're challenging each other. And another one is be part of church. Be active in church. There's a really good way to know truth. And it's not just coming to church for activities. It means like going to church on Sunday morning and actually listening and submit yourself to godly teaching. Because if you know what the truth is, then it's easy to know what the lie is because you know if it's not this, then it's not the truth. Because I know what the truth is. The more that we can get truth inside of us, bind it around us, know what the truth is. We're able to filter out the lies. We're able to live as a group of people who know truth and are walking together and challenging each other. But we can be the best version of us, the best us possible. And we can stop the thinking process. You know that process when you encounter a situation or you're by yourself and you just start thinking and you just start thinking and replaying a situation that happened. And that's the dangerous time when you just start going, oh, I was so dumb. I can't believe I did that. We can stop the thinking process. Those, those things that start to convince us we're not good enough. We're not worthy of God's love. We're missing out on what real living is. 
and we start to not believe that's how we go, this isn't real living. I mean, come on, I can't do anything. Those are the lies. Like, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden when Satan was coming to Eve saying, you really can't do that? And she wasn't thinking about all the things that she could do. He had got her thinking on the one thing she couldn't do. So we can stop the thinking process. When we know truth, when we have that strengthening us, we can walk into any situation because we're strong and we're able to deflect in battle. So we're going to head out to our small groups. And the small group questions are right here. So if you have small group leaders, I've got your questions. But while you're in your questions or in your small groups, we're going to be discussing what it means to have a weak core and how to strengthen and all of that. So... Off you go.